Welcome to Afterthoughts, where I pursue the realities in Christianity through God's Word and different conversations. It is my confident belief that our views shape the way we live, so having views grounded in reality is super important. At the end of it all, it is my heart's deepest desire that you and myself would be seeking peace and joy in what Christ Jesus has done. What is up? What is up? It is um, the guys back in the studio slash library. And um, this is Adrian, in case you couldn't tell. We got yes, we got Martin and yes, sir. Caleb and Jason. Hey. Hello. So yeah. And <laughs> we have a question. We do have a question. Out of the scripture of uh James one, uh namely I think it's verse six, but off of verse five. I'll read it. Or do you want to read it, Adrian? Um you should read it, because I don't know what translation this is. Oh. Okay. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously, wait, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him, but he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. That man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. So what does that mean? Does that mean like, for example, what my mind is like, if, uh, if I'm asking the Lord for this and if I'm an anxious person or like I doubt, cause I feel like we all doubt like from time to time, especially when we're asking stuff from God, is this like, is God going to answer? I don't know. What does the doubting mean? If I, does that mean if I have any anxiety about it or any doubting at all that he won't answer? Um, Jason's got this one. <laughs> no, it doesn't mean that. Cool. Any other questions? Uh, <laughs> okay, done. What does it mean? Mm. Ooh. Uh, uh, still looking. Interesting. Yeah, I'm. I'm pulling up the passage in my version as well to sort of read along and think through it. Mm. But, uh, so maybe it'd be good to think about. Uh, so I don't know the answer off the top of my head. So we're gonna have to try to work it through. Uh, as we go through this because and I, I want to say that there's more to this than just what it what you're saying because I think of um, the way that the Lord Jesus treated I think it was was it Jairus was, was the one uh, who um, uh, when the Lord said you know there's that phrase uh, I believe help my unbelief mm. right yeah um, I, I think that was Jairus but I could be mistaken about that off the top of my head the point is that the guy was, he, he knew like, man, I, I really want to believe, but there's a part of me that's like still struggling with this whole thing. And he asks for help and all that stuff. And I think the Lord was gracious and, and the Lord uh, he, you know, healed the guy's daughter or whatever it was that he was wanting to have done, got done. Mm-hmm. And so I think the Lord has compassion on us. And, and I'm, uh, there's other scriptures that talk about like um, when the Lord says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain, right? And mm-hmm. But the mustard seed's really small. And so, I mean, it seems like part of the point of what he's saying there is it's not 
It's not the size of your faith that matters uh, or the amount of your faith. And so it seems to me the Lord is quite compassionate toward people who are have a baby faith and are struggling. Uh, the other scripture that comes to mind is um, uh, it's said about the Lord that a, a smoking flax he won't quench. I mean, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that in uh, Isaiah? Yes. Isaiah 53? Yeah. The idea being like, okay, here's this little fire, and we're trying to get it up into a fire, uh, but it's it's really struggling. And he's not going to come along and smack it and put it out. He's going to try to be gentle with the flame, to, to the smoke, to try to build it up into a fire. And so it's everything about the Lord's character to be gentle and patient with people who are struggling genuinely struggling with things. Mm-hmm. So that makes me want to think of what other possible interpretations might, might there be or ways of understanding what James is saying. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And with that, I'll pass the baton to Caleb. I'm still working on it. I think the double mindedness in verse eight mm-hmm. is important. It, that adds another uh, layer to the thing. I mean, it's uh, it, it starts to bring up the idea of someone being um, not just struggling with faith and having some honest doubts, but almost being uh, two-faced or living two lives about the whole thing. Mm. Okay, because I, again... When I first read that, I was like, I wondered for the longest time if I was double-minded. Um, because I had, I'd go through these phases of knowing that the Lord loved me and, and being confident in that he would help me. But then I'd also go through, I just don't believe it. Like, and I know I don't believe it because I don't, like, my feelings aren't in alignment with that. And you know it's true, but it doesn't feel like it. Yeah, and so there's this idea like, well, what if he's not? Though? So there's this kind of idea where there are days when I'm one way, but also it's like I'm the double side of that. So I wondered if I was double-minded, if that's what this meant. But if you put it in the uh, the two-faced instead of double-minded, that puts a little different spin on it. So, the, yeah, I think that's right. Looking at the Greek word for doubting, uh, it's... It looks like it's a word that kind of has, like you got two sides, and they're two separate sides. So it's not like, not like something where you question whether or not it's valid, but it's like you've got this side and that side, and you can't seem to. You're not consistent with what you're doing. You end up doing the you're in, you end up doing something that's logically opposite of what you're saying you're going to do, or something like that. It's not not consistent. Um, the story that comes to mind. I think in this case that would illustrate this doubting is when Jeremiah, uh, towards the end of his life, he was the prophet that at the end of, uh, just before the Babylonians came. In fact, when the Babylonians came, he was the prophet that was there. And so the Babylonians came, they conquered Jerusalem and they hauled off everybody, but they left a few people behind, a lot of the poor people behind and said, Hey, you take care of the land. And Jeremiah was one of the ones that they left behind on purpose because they knew that he was prophesying the truth and so forth. And he told the the people in Jerusalem, you need to surrender to Babylon because the Lord has given up Jerusalem to Babylon. They didn't do that. 
But the Babylonians knew that Jeremiah had said that. So they spared his life. They left him behind. So the Israelites that were left behind, there was a man that had, the Babylonians set up a guy to kind of be their governor. And there was some other Jews that said, hey, we don't want this governor. So they went and killed that governor and then tried to take control themselves. Well, then they got real scared because they realized the Babylonians might come back and, and uh, bring some brimstone and fire upon their heads for mm -hmm. killing the governor. So they thought maybe they should uh, make a run for it and go say down to Egypt where they thought they'd be safe. But before they went, they turned to Jeremiah and they said, can you ask the Lord for us whether or not we should go to Egypt or not? And it's an interesting story because Jeremiah says to them right off the bat, he says, why should I ask the Lord for you? Hmm. You're not interested in obeying the Lord. And they, but they persuaded him, go ask the Lord. So he went and asked the Lord and the Lord said, don't go to Egypt. Don't worry about the Babylonians. If you trust me, I will keep you safe in the land. And so Jeremiah brought that word to them and they were like, yeah, you know what? I don't really think that really came from the Lord. And they went to Egypt. Hmm. If you're going to ask from wisdom from the Lord, but you're going to be that hmm. kind of a double-minded yeah. doubter, don't think, I mean, he'll give you wisdom. It would be a waste. Yeah. I see that. I, we all know the one person that asks yeah. your advice on everything and then does the exact opposite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a name for that. It's kind of funny. I don't know what it's called, but I've had it happen before. <laughs> where, and I've had it happen a number of times to where I've learned that if somebody comes up to me and says, hey, I really respect your opinion and I value your advice and I just like to hear what you have to say, I know they're going to do the opposite of whatever I say. It's just butter me up first. And then, yeah, it's, it's weird. Huh. huh. So I, that's kind of what I think he's talking about. Um, I, the, the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind for whatever reason has always reminded me of Reuben in Genesis 49, Jacob called his sons together, and then he pronounced the blessing upon them, so to speak. And of Reuben, he said, unstable as water, you shall not excel because you went up to your father's bed and you defiled it. I mean, he basically slept with his father's concubine or something. And he was defined as unstable as water. You can't depend on this guy. He's, he was the oldest son. He should have followed in his father's footsteps and should have inherited the blessing, but because of his instability, undependability. Uh, he didn't receive that firstborn blessing. And that, that's kind of what I've thought about before. If you doubt, you're like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Like you, there's no stability. There's no. You're saying like, uh, I mean, the picture I'm getting and see if I'd along that I'm getting from what you're saying. I'm not even sure if I'm given the right picture, but it's just that's the thing that's always Yeah, cool. no, I think it. I, I get this idea, like um, it's combining all those things together that, um, so this person is sort of double-minded. Um, they're not really committed to the Lord all the time, maybe sometimes, but some, other times they're like, eh, I'm not going to do this. And so then whether they're following the Lord, they're sort of a fair-weather friend, a fair-weather yeah. Christian, if that's mm. even a thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so then, you know, in this example, Reuben, you know, maybe Reuben... You know, if someone would have just told him on a, asked him on a Sabbath day, hey, are you going to go sleep with your, con your father's concubine? No, I'd never do that. But right. then the opportunity comes up. It's like, mm, well, I guess, hmm, yep, I'm going to do it. <laughs> never mind. Uh, yeah, it's like, it's kind of out the window because so he's, he's right. unstable. It's like whatever way the wind is blowing, whatever way the circumstances are showing up, he's going to get sucked into it because 
he's really double-minded versus a man of integrity and principle who says, no, what, I mean, what I said on Sunday is going to be also true on Saturday and um, I, I'm going to stick to this. And so, uh, and so then you can see, like you said, when the Lord's, when someone like that asks for wisdom and the Lord's like, you're not like, maybe you'll listen to me today, but not tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's too unstable. It's not useful. I, I, it's actually not, a, maybe it's not even a blessing to give it to you, you know? Whereas if someone is like, so they're, maybe, maybe they, they struggle with their faith or sometimes they have doubts about things. And, I, and I've gone through a fairly long period of time kind of recently where I was, you know, just had this nagging, doubting voice about Christianity in general in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. But, and I thought, I know that the right thing to do is you just, you keep doing the things you're supposed to do. And I just, I kept going to church on Sunday, even though sometimes the songs that were being sung is like, there was just this nagging voice in the back mm-hmm. of my head this whole time singing. You think there's this crazy uh, mm-hmm. omniscient being in the sky mm-hmm. who just unconditionally loves you. That sounds like a fairy tale. That sounds like stuff we just make up to make ourselves feel psychologically good. Mm-hmm. And there was a, so that was, that's going on in the back of my head, but I'm like, even though that voice has some, for some reason got turned on and is very strong with me right now, I'm still going to sing the song <laughs> and I'm still mm-hmm. going to show up and listen to these things. And I'm still going to, I hate to say it, maybe it's not quite the word going through the motions, but you know, still fulfilling the things that I wanted that I, I know I've been doing this long enough that I know that this voice is eventually going to turn off again and mm-hmm. I'll just continue on. Mm-hmm. That's the, uh, it's a nice contrast because he just got done talking about trials that produce steadfastness. And then he goes on to talk about, yeah. well, if you're double-minded, mm-hmm. unstable, is that, did you, were you reading those other verses and that's why you thought about that story? Like the, the first few verses, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. Mm-mm. Oh, no. so that fits right in. Um, yeah. And just listening to the, what you're saying, Caleb, that fits in the, the kind of the thought flow too. If you think about it in that, like, um, yeah, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect results, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. Being a double-minded man, he is unstable in all his ways. But a brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position. And the rich man is to glory in his humiliation because like flowering grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass and its flower falls off and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man is in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. And well, I don't know, the the thought process goes Mm -hmm. on. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial and so forth. But it's, I don't know how to say it simpler, but it, no, it, 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 it's tr- tricky, but I like the I, what you're doing there is noticing like, okay, well, what if we, there's several different ways, there's a continuum of a ways to understand this passage and we're picking away and then you realize like, oh, when we look at it this way, it flows well with the context that comes mm-hmm. before and after. And that's a really mm-hmm. good sign that maybe you're onto something mm-hmm. just in general when you're dealing with difficult passages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, Something I just noticed is it says... Um, let him ask God who gives to all men generously and without reproach. 
So if you're if you yep. ask God for wisdom and you have this kind of double mindedness, is that saying you don't? Is that saying you're questioning the goodness of God? Like it, mm. it's mm. He will give it to you. It mm. says He will give it to you. He's not if you ask for something. If you ask for bread, He isn't going to give you a rock. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and I think it's important to recognize that oftentimes we are double minded because a lot of times the Lord's wisdom is so different than what we expect that. Mm. It really throws us for a loop and we're not sure we actually want to follow that. And I think his example of the rich and the lowly brother, uh, or his, I was going to say his example, of the rich and the lowly brother is a good example of this. <laughs> but, you know, usually you don't think of the lowly brother as somebody that is exalted. But from mm-hmm. God's perspective, the lowly brother is exalted because he's more dependent upon God, whereas the rich man a lot of times will be independent of God and living his own life. And and pursuing after his wealth. Uh, and it's, it's not wise to pursue after wealth because the wealth eventually goes away or you die and it, you don't take it with you, you know, so forth. You know, he's, you look at it from God's perspective and rich and poor is different than what we think about it from our perspective. So that serves to illustrate that his wisdom a lot of times is uh, not what we would expect. You, you just so saying that makes yeah. me think of, so... If there is this double-minded person, do they have more of an opportunity to trust God than not? Well, that's just that a double-minded person won't trust God. They only trust God when they want to trust God. Mm. And they okay. like when so it's, this isn't yeah. necessarily talking about like somebody doubts. Who's, yeah, doubting. This is more say. about a. Well, maybe this person doubts, but it's less of a. They want to do the right thing really bad, and they just for whatever. Well, think of doubting in a sense like these Israelites. It's more rebellious. It's yeah. It's not that they had. Uh, it's not that they heard the word and they were kind of like, "Boy, is that really from God or anything like that?" It's more like they didn't really care if it came from God or not. They, were just, they just didn't like the advice. So it was like they say it's so. The word doubt is maybe a little bit difficult for us to grab because it's got a different meaning in English than maybe what the Greek word is. But the the idea is that. Like what Jason was saying, you say you're interested in knowing what God has to, uh, what God's opinion is. But in the back of your mind, you already know what you want to hear. And if God's word doesn't line up with that, then you're not, so you're not really sincere and straightforward, but you're mm. kind of that double-minded. So the, the doubt here is actually more of a double-minded kind of thing. I, I can back that up. Uh, I, the commentary I turn to most is in Dr. Constable, and he says, the translation without any doubting for the one who doubts, it's an unfortunate translation. The Greek word diochronomenos or whatever. Yeah, that one. Yeah. It's used twice in the verse and it's better translated. Let him ask in faith, free from divided motives or divisive attitudes. Yeah. Hmm. And so that's where we're sort of trying to push toward that. But I want to back up because you said something really like you were talking about Israel and you said, it's not like they're like, is this really coming from God or not? It's like, I don't really care. And that's really important because that from Proverbs, we know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning right. of wisdom. And I don't care what God thinks is the opposite of the fear of God. Right. And so that this might be like another, just a restatement of if you, if you don't fear the Lord, you don't even have the first stepping stone of wisdom. So don't think you're going to get it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the Lord could tell you and you still wouldn't get it. Yeah. I think that's such a key point, though. The fear of the Lord means that you take his word seriously, like it or not. You know, it's like it's, 
That's really what the fear of the Lord boils down to, I think. Hmm. That's interesting because me and Garrett were talking earlier and uh, about a proverb that talks about a fool having wisdom. Um, Wisdom is not fit for a fool? Yes. Is that the one? Yeah, it is not fitting for a fool to have wisdom. But then there's another one. It's like, what good is the, the, the cost of wisdom? Or no, how does it? It asks it in a funny way. It's almost like the fool has the, the currency to buy wisdom. But what good is it? Oh, what to, good is the oh, price of wisdom in the hand of a fool? Yeah, or something, something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And we figured is like, well, because if he doesn't have the capacity to like, what good is get? Like, he doesn't have a heart to accept wisdom or put it. So to it use. doesn't matter if he can like, if he can get, if he can purchase the education or go to the, you know, like if he's yeah, he doesn't have that the heart. And then we're like, oh, that's probably the fear of the Lord. That's probably what that is. I don't know. Maybe more weird. Sense. We were talking yeah. about it. I don't know. Maybe maybe we're off. Anyway, yeah, I, th- I think of that. Yep. Cool. So would it be helpful to sort of reread the passage and and maybe supply some of the clarifications that we're arriving yes. at here? Yes. Could we review really quick? Review. Right Let's go through the passage. What? Then we can review. Okay, go do it. Yep. I, I'll just read it here and give, give the clarifying thoughts that come to mind as we go through here. Uh, I mean, you got one through four. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, because God gives generously to all without finding fault, which almost seems to contradict the next verses if you just take them as, oh, if you have a little doubt, then God's not going to actually give it mm, to you. Right. Like, oh, he is finding fault, actually. And James is, at least we know he should be smart enough to not put contradictory verses at least right next to each other. I mean, if just from a devil, <laughs> devil's yeah. advocate point of view here. Um, so if you ask for wisdom, uh, God gives generously to all without finding fault, it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Or when God gives you his truth, you need to have the faith to do what he's telling you to do. And if you're going to be like the Israelite with a hard heart who once God reveals his word to you, you're like, no, I'm not actually doing that. Uh, I don't, I'm not, I'm not actually interested in that. I just, I'm not interested in fearing God. I'm probably going to just do my own thing anyway. Well, the one who has a double mind in that way is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. And that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Because that person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Mm. How's that sound? Yeah, sounds good. What was the, the commentary you were looking at? What did he, he had like a compound word that he used instead of doubt. Yeah, let me find it again. I flipped away from it. In which verse? Uh, six, I believe. Um is better translated, let him ask in faith, free from divided motives and divisive attitudes. Hmm. Yeah, I think that really nails it, fits the context. And I think... The reason James starts out this way is because, <clears throat> like we were talking about last night, 
he wants to take these Jewish Christians who seem to be pretty confident in their their own righteousness and wants to strip them of their pride and bring them into humility before God so that by the time you get to chapter 4, I think it's chapter 4, where he talks about how the need to humble yourself before God. So he starts with something that they can agree on and takes it step by step until he finally drives down to the heart of the matter. So he starts here saying, you know, if you really want to follow God, don't be double-minded about this. You need to take what God says and take it clear to the end. Don't just take what you like and then hmm. uh, ignore what you don't really care for. And what he's going to drive at is that godliness is not just outward actions, but it's the attitude of the heart. It, if, you're, if your heart is full of unclean thoughts and unclean desires, then you've failed as a godly Christian. You're not a godly Christian. And they were looking at the actions, but when you, you start looking at your heart, then you begin to realize that, oh, I'm not very godly at all. I mean, that's, that's the end conclusion that we all come to. And thus the need then to humble yourself before God. And, no, and it's, an, it's kind of neat because he gives them the assurance that if you, if you go so far as to humble yourself before God, you can be assured that he will lift you up. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. I, I, another reason I'm liking where we're at here. So, so I mean, the context of James, he's writing to the scattered tribes, right? And Hebrews is also a book that sort of has more of a Jewish audience intended. And both of those books have a tone about them that's unique. And mm-hmm. I don't know why believing Jews get a different tone aimed at them, mm-hmm. but they do. Because in Hebrews is, is like, I think a huge theme of Hebrews is like, beware lest there be in any of you a hardened heart of unbelief. Mm-hmm. And this seems to go along with this as well. And right. and, it, and he's, he says frequently, like the reason, like we, we talk about the arguments of Hebrews when you go through and study that about, oh, he's trying to say God is better. But the first thing he says is the word that you've received is way more powerful than the word that we received from Moses. It was delivered by angels, but this word is way more important. If if the people who didn't listen to Moses's word had a condemnation happen, how much more punishment do you think will be those who neglect this word? They're talking about the gospel. And, uh, and it's all coming down to beware, like don't let that hard heart in you of unbelief go. You got to believe what is happening here. And, and, and then he brings up the Israelites as an example, their hard heart in the in the wilderness when they were being led through and God swore in his wrath that none of them would enter his rest. And, and I think that's the kind of double mindedness. That's the kind of doubting that James probably has in mind. Yeah. So it's not poor Martin over here thinking, yeah, I've got a few, sometimes I struggle a little bit with my faith. God help my unbelief. That that's not, I think that's not in view. <laughs> yeah. You're the way you phrase that. Cool. Maybe made me think of like times when I have, have had a need and I've come before the Lord uh, knowing that, come before the Lord knowing that he loves me and that he's going to hear my request, right? And then I've asked for, you know, to meet the need that I see. And I have, and I've said in my heart, you know, not trying to hide it from the before the Lord, but just kind of said like, 
know. There's no way this one's ever going to get answered. <laughs> mm. And then watch it get answered within yeah. a relatively short period of time. And it's like, I mean, I, I, I just had that experience within the last 24 hours. It's just like praying before the Lord for something. I was like, this is, this is a need that I think we see. And, uh, you know, just, I just ask that you would meet that need and it's never going to happen, but I'm going to throw yeah. it up there, you know, <laughs> and within 24 hours, I'm watching that need be fully met to exactly the way I had hoped it would be met. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's no, so if you're talking about doubt, whether or not God is going to actually follow through with it, he's pretty gracious mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to ask, hoping that he will, I want you to do it this way. Yeah. And if it doesn't happen this way, then I'm not going to be happy with you. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't expect it. Gotcha. So is there, I mean, maybe we already said it, but, uh, how do you, what if you are in that place where you are coming to the Lord with these ulterior divisive motives or whatever, mm-hmm. how does somebody, uh, come out of that? Well, I mean, the answer is pretty straightforward. I guess what a person hard okay. to do though, but straightforward. <laughs> Just do it. It's simple, but God not easy. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Mm. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. He will lift you up. Well, well, he basically says in chapter four, this is what he says. I didn't notice this until now. <laughs> Watch this. Draw Watch near to God. He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Mm, yep. Okay. Lament, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. To humble yourself in the sight of the Lord is to say, uh, it, it's, it's to drop all resistance against God. He's, he's God, and I'm clay, six feet of clay. And what he says is true, and that's what goes regardless of what I want. That's humbling yourself in the sight of God. You just you commit the. I mean, he's God. Yeah. So why argue? Hmm. Yeah. I feel like this double-minded um, kind of maybe thought process is trying to keep control of one's life or like have control because it like the double-minded person are thinking on Sunday, they're like, oh yeah, hyped. But then Monday comes around, they're like, shoot, I'd, I'm going to go do my own thing. You know? I think, I, I really like the way you put that. You want to keep control because that's, yeah. that's exactly what those Jews were doing. We want God's blessing on what we decided to do. Mm. But we're going to phrase it as a question that hopefully God will give us the answer we're looking for. And it, that's not how God operates. Hmm. He, he, it's an interesting relationship that he sets up with us. Uh, we'll get into it in John chapter 14 and 15. Uh, Jesus wants us to keep his commands. If we're going to be his friends, we've got to keep his commands, which makes sense. I mean, if you have a friend that asks you to do something, uh, you'll, you'll go out of your way to do it. Mm-hmm. But then the flip side is also true. He says, if you ask me anything, I'll do it. Uh, so his intent is to do what we want. But if we're going to come to him and say, demand that our will be done over his, 
as if we're entitled or something like that, that turns him off just as much as it would if one of your friends came up and pulled the same stunt. Hmm. It's, it's in, I, I, I mean, I'm always amazed like how much of a relationship it is with God. I've learned that in praying, he's, the reason he doesn't answer some of my requests is because he's trying to teach me how to ask. And one of my lessons that I learned not too long ago was if I'm going to come to him feeling like I'm entitled to receive mm. this thing, he's not going to answer for good reason. I mean, if my kid comes up and he's, he comes up like, dad, give me my ice cream or whatever. It's like, you know, yeah, I bought the ice cream for you, but you can come up to me with that attitude. I don't want to give you the ice cream because I don't want to encourage that attitude. Fix the attitude, humble yourself in the side of your paw and he will give you some ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's what's going to create a good relationship. It's This relationship is not going to go well if you're going to act like an arrogant, snotty brat. You're taking it's, notes over there, Titus? <laughs> yeah, do, you, do you say it like that too? Because then when they like get older and or when they start reading no, the word, easily translation. No, that's probably how I actually say it. <laughs> right, oh. Titus? Nods. Good translation. But it's, I mean, like, that's valid. Like, if I've got a kid and I'm trying to develop a relationship with him, if he's going to be an entitled, snotty brat and I'm going to go ahead and give him the ice cream... And every time he interacts with me, it's going to irk me. And mm-hmm. it's not going to be a fun relationship. I want to have a good relationship. So he should <clears throat> have the respect of me as his dad. Then I'll enjoy his relationship. And he will too. It's the same with God. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to come to him like an entitled snotty brat, he's not going to enjoy that. And as a spoiled brat, I'm not going to enjoy it much either after a while. So he teaches me that don't come to me like that. You come with a humble attitude. Uh, one of the other things that I'm learning in John chapter 15, that if you want your prayers answered, abide in his love. If you're resting in the fact that he loves you as a sinner, then you can ask what you want and he will give it to you. And it's, that, that's almost a mind blower, but it, it's very valid in a relationship. If my kids come up to me knowing that I love them, because of who they are, not because of what they've done. You know, they're not trying to butter me up or anything, but they just know that, hey, this is my dad. Dad, can I have the keys to the car? I like those uh, practical ideas about, you know, things that were you learned from the relationships about our connection with God as well. I think that's, that's good stuff. Um, I thought maybe bounce back to the question that spurred, kind of spurred off on that. You had the question like, so what do you do if you, you, do, you are kind of, hard-hearted you know Mm -hmm. and i think caleb had some good thoughts there the thought that came into my head that goes along with that would be i I think uh god isn't asking us to change our hearts before we come to him what he's asking for is us to be transparent and confess where our hearts are at yes Mm -hmm. and so if if you're in that spot i think the best thing that you can do is like hey god you know i have a really stinking hard heart i'm just I'm just hard. I don't want to be hard. Can you change me? Can you, and it's like the, the Psalm comes up, can you create in me a clean heart? Oh God. Because the Psalmist knew that he had, his heart was, was messed up and he needed a creative power to happen in him. And so I think someone who's hard hearted could, you come to the Lord just as I am. Yeah. And, yeah, for sure. And I, I think this is true. Like in, you know, in, in the beginning of John or like John, well, yeah, the beginning of John, when he talks about those who are doing evil, they, they, they don't want to come to the light. Because if they come to the light, their evil deeds will be exposed. Yep. And so then when you come to the light, when you, when you say, 
I have a really hard, hard gun. You're sort of stepping into the light where sure. he can actually shine some light on it and begin to work. It's like, okay, here you are. Let's, let's get to work on this thing. You can't change it, but now you, you've come to me. Let's, let's get to work on this thing. Hmm. Is that what, uh, sorry, sinners make your hands clean or purify you, your hearts, you sinners? Is that what that means? Because I was going to ask. That's a good point because uh, there's times where I've drawn near the Lord and I, well, like I was talking about, I know that I don't really believe I don't have the faith that's adequate to get this prayer answered. The way I think is wrong, but it's the way I think. You know, my faith isn't pure; it isn't right. I don't try to fix my faith. I don't try to generate my faith, get rid of my mm. doubts, and say, "Okay, now I really believe, Lord." Now, will you answer my request? I don't. I just say, "Lord, this is what I need, and I don't believe you're going to do it." <laughs> you know, step into the light. Mm. You know, yeah. he already sees it, so step into the light. And I think that's the key to cleansing your hands. Is not for me to try to scrape the dirt away myself, but to take the dirt and just put it right in his presence. And it uh, seems like, like in 1 John, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. Like that's what he does. But I think what Jason says is absolutely vital to any relationship with the Lord is not to try to fix your doubts or fix your, you know, your little uncleannesses, but to be straight up honest with the Lord about them and mm-hmm. say, here's where I'm at. And knowing that he loves you anyhow, and it's, it's, it's unreal. But again, if you think about that in the terms of a normal relationship, you're in a relationship with somebody and they feel like they have to fix themselves before they can come and enjoy fellowship with you. You're not in a relationship. But if you can come in your relationship and they can see you for who you are and then they take you anyhow and you work together on the issue or whatever, then you're in a really good relationship. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the idea of the Lord is that it's, it's a real relationship. You might as well step into light, be honest with him and find that he does not reject you. He, he takes you as is. beautiful Imagine what eternity is going to be like when we're going to be in that. Like, supposedly we're supposed to be perfect, and I'm sure we will, but I think we got a lot of. I, I, I would be surprised if we weren't doing some growing because that's part of what life is, is it's growing. Mm. And for him to take us uh, through the growing process. I think last year we were talking about Lord Jesus is kind of like that big brother that's going to yeah. take you along and show you all the, all that there is to see in life. Like, what a relationship. I don't know. Yeah, that, <laughs> I don't want to get too far off the path. Good stuff. Good stuff. To stay on the path or what? No, what everything you just said. Oh, yeah. yeah. And not. True. That's good. Um, any final thoughts? Besides that, anybody? No? No, it's like an empty slate inside there. I hear a little voice <laughs> inside my head saying, I can see four miles in here. <laughs> All right, well. <laughs> I, I, I just point out, like, uh, I mean, you, you, you brought up a question at the beginning. I just wanted to do, like, do a little meta on the conversation, mm-hmm. which is the opposite of what Caleb just did. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, I point out like, so you brought up a question to us and we didn't know the answer. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and 
And so we didn't, neither one of us just started talking immediately with an answer. It's like, man, okay, we don't know. Um, here are some things that other scriptures say that are similar. And that's a, so that, that's a really important part of, of working with these passages. We, we tried out some different uh, ideas. We found an idea that, wow, this, when we, when we take this doubting as more of a, a double-minded, hard-hearting resistance to God's work, it flows in the context a lot better. That's another uh, principle of the whole thing. Mm. And, and then we did, I mean, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, we, I mean, we cracked open some Greek stuff to, to look at a little bit. And, cool. and it's not like we went in and I don't want to make that inaccessible to other mm. people. Like, oh, if you don't know how to get a strong concordance out and look at it, then you can't understand the Bible. Well, That's, I think I just want to put in, like, to me, it seems like if you, it's like, it's an Englishman's Greek dictionary. This is not a sophisticated yes. dictionary type of thing. So I feel like if you, if somebody wants to put the effort in to study, uh, it, it actually is within reach. Like I don't know Greek. Me either. Yeah. And I got, but I found a couple of good dictionaries that are really straightforward and able to explain it. So that's, I feel like this is very, maybe it's sound sophisticated when we dug into the Greek. Meaning, but, but. but to, I mean, to, to to, to peel back the veil, I mean, there's, there's just basically one commentary that I generally look at with my questions, and that's going to be this Dr. Constable one. It's, uh, it's free. The whole thing's available free on the internet. And when I've, and it, and it just, I didn't do the Greek study myself. It just points out, it's like, so the Greek on this particular one is a little bit unfortunate. He hardly ever says that. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's what sort of leads us on to, oh, there's, there's something more here and maybe comparing other translations. So, uh, I just want to oh. thought I'd point out like, okay, difficult passages. Here's kind of how we work through them. Uh, and uh, so that's another takeaway from the podcast probably. And just, you know, to give the same kind of hint, then the dictionary that I tend to go to is called the Complete Word Study Bible. And it's uh, it's based off of Strong's numbers, so it's really accessible and it fits with a lot of stuff. But they, I they, find that it's a good conservative dictionary, but very scholarly. So. They also got apps for that. For our younger audience, apps, Blue Letter Bible app. Yes, sir. I use Blue Letter Bible frequently. Olive Tree. I've used Olive Coming Tree a lot. There's, you got to be willing to commit some funds to it. But I've, I've learned that if you know you set yourself a, an allowance, you know, weekly allowance or something, after a month or two, you can afford to buy some of their, <laughs> their resources. Yeah, I don't eat McDonald's this week. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> I want to make a joke and I can't find words. <laughs> Man shall not live by bread alone. Milk of the word, brothers, not the. Yeah, anyway, McDonald's. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> all right, cool. Well, yeah, that was good. I hope uh, we hope this was beneficial and uh, encouraging. Encouraging, yes. Hopefully, brought some clarity and stuff. So, yeah, uh, thanks everyone for listening, and uh, we will see you in the future. Yeah.